Welcome to the Halakha Hour here on JRootRadio.com. We are broadcasting today live, July 26th, Gimel Av Tafshin Ayn Zayn. We have a lot, a lot of stuff, Bezat Hashem, to cover today. It may sound like I'm on uh, speed, you know, like, uh, you know, when you put um, put the recorder on a speed. So that might sound like a little bit uh, too fast, but you know what? We really have to cover the halachot. I apologize if it's not going to be as slow as usual, but Bezat Hashem, we hope to cover the halachot. The intended goal to cover today, Bezat Hashem, is the halachot. Three categories we want to cover. Number one is the laws of Erev, Tisha Be'av. Number two is the laws of Tisha B'Av itself, which will probably be in the main chunk. And finally, the halachot regarding the 10th of Ab. So, before that, let's just give you the times and the dates of the holidays. The time is this Monday night, July 31st. 8.11 p.m. is sunset. That's when the fast begins. Tuesday, which is um, August 1st. By 102, 102 is Hatsot, which is when we don't have to sit on the floor anymore. And then Tuesday evening, 810 is sunset. And what time is the fast over? The fast is over, we always give three times. 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and 51 minutes. 30 minutes is 840, 40 minutes is 850, and 51 minutes is 901. You don't need me to really tell you those times. You obviously, you know, should uh, check with your local minhag, if you're a person who is a binutam, we didn't even put it on the list. It's something like 9.22, I think. That makes sense, right? Okay, 9.22 is Shittat Rabinutam. Those are the times that we put. The, the earliest time is obviously for those who are pregnant are fasting, for those who are not feeling so well. Even if you began to feel not so well during the fast, even if you weren't sick before the fast and began to feel not so well during the fast, then... Uh, you, it, it's okay to break the fast at 8.40. Otherwise, 8.50 and 9.01 is really more recommended than 9.01. Anyway, you'll do as your minhag is. Okay, so I think we got through the dates and times. Let's give you the numbers to listen to the radio. 718-683-5858. If you have a question, we will not take you on today. It will be only off the air, but you could call in. Somebody's here. And he will take down your question if it's something that we didn't cover. Or is that the shame? We'll try to cover it. 347-927-8398 is a number to text us. I have the screen right in front of me. So that's the best way to reach us, to tell me, you know, whatever you like to tell me. You're going too fast. You're going too slow. Or um, hi. You know, that's also, we'll take that as well. Okay, let's get to the halachot. Rabotai, we are discussing today the halachot of Arif Tashabi Av. But let's just give you a little bit of a review from the last class, we mentioned that the halachot of Avelud during the three weeks, they are identical, as the tour brings down, they're very identical to the halachot of mourning. And it gets more and more intensified. So we're going to review very quickly when the three weeks began, what was forbidden in the three weeks, and then as it got more intensive. Let's begin. When the three weeks started, we already stopped making weddings, weddings, parties, no music, no dancing, no shehiyanu. Ashkenazim also began to stop taking haircuts and shaving for men, of course. The nine days came, when Rosh Chodesh Av came already, no meat and wine. Uh, you cannot buy or make new clothing. You cannot do construction when it's not necessary for living. And you cannot... Uh, prepare for weddings, that is buying gifts for the Hatan and Kala and all other wedding related stuff. Of course, there are exceptions to everything, but we can't go through the exceptions. You listen to last week's class. Ashkenazim, once the nine days began, their minhag is that they stop taking showers, they also do not do laundry. 
When Shavuot Shahalbo comes, this is only relevant to the Sfaradim. Now, three things are forbidden during Shavuot Shahalbo. And again, the details will have, you'll have to listen to the other class. And that is the three things are laundry, haircuts, and bathing and showering in hot water. Cold water, we mentioned last week, is a mahlokit, although technically it's mutar for the Sfaradim. Um, some restrict it. So again, you'll listen to last week's class, you'll hear their opinions, or you'll ask your local rav. Today, Bazat Hashem, the subject at hand, the first subject at hand is laws of Arif Tishabi'ab. These things are relevant only after Hatzot, because before Hatzot, it has the same dinim as Shabbat Shahalbo. After Hatzot already, we begin to touch some halachot, or at least some things that are, that are relevant to Arif Tishabi'ab. Let's list what they are, and then Bazat Hashem will go through them in detail. Number one, Learning Torah. Number two, the laws of Saudat Mafseket. And finally, number three is accepting the fast. Let's begin with learning Torah. The Ramah brings in the name of the Maharil, one of the Rishonim, that a person on Arif Tishabi'av should not learn the regular Tamut Torah. He should only learn in stuff that are said. Things that we would normally be mutat to learn on Tishabi'av. However, even though the Ramah quotes it, Maran clearly does not bring it. And in fact, most Ahronim disagree with this Ramah. They hold that, uh, that, that one should not, doesn't have to be, so we don't find the Isur. Besides the Mahari, we don't find this Isur brought down in the Gemara, for sure not. So therefore they disagree, especially that if it's going to cause Betul Torah. And especially if Arif Tishabab happens to be on Shabbat. So therefore, the maskana, the conclusion of the post scheme, the best way to do it is as follows. If you could learn sad things, that means you can learn things that are relevant to the fast, or you're going to learn stam, you know, limudim, or parts of the Torah, which are said, that's the best. You would say they have according to everybody. But if not, if your Tamut Torah will be weakened in any which way, then it's mutat to learn whatever you want on Arif Tishabi'av. And of course, it goes without saying, but we're going to say it because there's a lot of things that go without saying, but we have to say it. If there's a shi'ur kabob, a person has a class or a learning time or, or a learning session on Arif Tishabab, it should not be canceled because it's Arif Tishabab. For example, let's say a person at work has a havruta that comes to him, has a special rabbi that comes in and learns with him. Or he has, you know, he has a break and he takes a break and he sits down and learns with somebody. Even though it's after Hatzot, you should not break it because it's Arif Tishabab. That's going to be, what are you going to do otherwise? If you can learn other things, but you're not going to learn at all. Betul Torah does not override this opinion, according, you know, this opinion based on a certain minhag. Next. The laws of Saudat Mavsekit. What is Saudat Mavsekit? Saudat Mavsekit is the final meal prior to the fast, right before the fast. That's called Saudat Mavsekit. We have it twice a year, once before Tisha B'Av, and once right before the oncoming of Yom HaKippurim. The Minhag is that this meal is eaten in the following way. We eat it sitting on the floor. We try not to eat three men together, so this way they're not obligated in zimun. That means you eat it separately. You, we, the, the minhag is also that we eat food that usually mourners eat on the first meal after when they become a mourner. For example, like eggs or lentils or dry bread dipped with ashes that's brought down also. So that's the customary. When I say the word customary, that means preferably one should try to do that. But halakha, we have to know what halakha forbids. And then, where we have kind of like that gray area that allows us to maneuver a little bit. Customary, the preferred way, we told you already. Halakha tells us we may not have two cooked foods. 
You're not allowed to have two cooked foods. That means you want to eat something cooked during Sabadam Mavsekhet, you're allowed to have only one cooked dish. But to have two separate cooked dishes, that's forbidden. So let's give you a few details of this halakha. Um, foods that are normally eaten raw, if you happen to cook them, will be asur. For example, tomatoes. Tomatoes can be eaten raw. You could also cook tomatoes by, let's say, barbecuing it or grilling it. So to have grilled tomatoes is considered a eating a cooked dish. If you plan to eat another cooked dish, you're not allowed to have cooked tomatoes. Another thing, even something that's cooked, it may be two different foods, but if they're normally cooked together, then even though it's two separate cooked foods, then it's mutar. For example, let's say people usually uh, cook rice and lentils. That's uh, what we call mjadara in Arabic for those uh, those who have the such custom. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, I would love to invite you, but we don't invite people. Anyway, so the um, the jadra is basically rice and lentils. These are these are two separate dishes, but they're normally cooked together. Since they're normally cooked together, it's fine. But something that's not normally cooked together, you can't put it together and say, oh, it's all one cooked dish. So therefore, let's say you want to make a parv chalant uh, for sedatum abseket, a bimutan. Normally, you cook the barley and the meat and the potatoes and the and uh, the beans together. But if a person now wants to take rice and he wants to take also inside the rice, he wants to put um I don't know what they cook on it. He wants to put also tomato things that basically you don't normally go with the rice. And now he's going to cook it all together. Even though he cooked it all together, that's considered two cooked dishes. You just what you did is you combine two dishes together. Also. Pickled foods or baked foods are not considered cooked. Baked, I don't want to say baked in the oven. Baked means to say baked products like uh, borekas or and, and basic things that you make mezzanotte on, cakes, all these things. Even though it's another dish, it went through the oven, that's not considered cooked food. That means you're allowed to have a piece of bread and egg together, even though the bread is baked, and but it's not cooked. Cooked is the issue. But to bake... You know, we don't have fish really. Fish, also, we don't eat during Salatam of Seket. But uh, let's say something like fish, something that has to go in the oven. I can't think of anything right now. But if you have to cook something by baking it, not again, not baked products, just regular things, that would be a problem. Next, if no pots were used because food could, two pots, excuse me, if two pots were used, because food couldn't fit in one pot, even though two separate pots, it's considered one dish. So you couldn't fit your rice and lentils together. You couldn't fit your spaghetti together. Then it's considered one dish. However, if you have two pots of spaghetti, but each one has a different spice, so you have spaghetti with tomato sauce and spaghetti with pesto sauce, that's called two different dishes. Even though they're both spaghetti, it doesn't make a difference. That's called two different dishes, and you're not allowed to have it during soda tamafsekit. One final thing, the, a lot of Mus'ahronim permit tea for a number of reasons. One of the reasons is that it's not cooked on Kliri. So it's cooked only Kliri. That means you pour the water from the urn, and then in the cup, you put the tea bag to give it a little color. That is not a problem. Therefore, those who like to have tea, especially before the fast and at the end of the meal to digest their food, even though you already had a cooked dish, tea is not a problem. Also, things are normally pasteurized and not called cooked. So if you want to drink a cup of milk, all the milks in the United States of America are pasteurized, which means they're cooked in order to kill the bugs, uh, not bugs, excuse me, bacteria. So therefore, if a person is drinking milk, even though he also had eggs, it's not considered that you had two cooked dishes. Meat and chicken is forbidden. 
by most uh, by most kehilot in the nine days. But even those who have the custom of eating meat and chicken during these nine days, Sodat Mavseket is forbidden. Also, we do not eat fish during Sodat Mavseket. Also, Ben Yishai brings down a person should not eat salad. Even though salad is raw food, but I guess salad in the times of the Ben Yishai was like a luxury. It was a pleasurable food. It was like a dessert, basically. So, therefore, Ben Yishai brings down you shouldn't have salads. And nowadays, Salad has become a main staple. That's that's a food. A lot of people get filled up on the on the on the salad. But the concept that the Benish High is saying applies not as a deen, but as a suggested humrah that one should try to keep. And that is don't have pleasurable foods. Things that are necessary, they need to have also, even though a little bit more luxurious, try to cut down. So therefore I so brought down a person should not have pickles, pickles or ketchup or mayonnaise. Come on, what's going to happen if you eat the food without the fr- without the ketchup? It's going to go down. Why do you need the ketchup? Pleasure. Try to cut down on it. Try to cut down as much as possible. And of course, it goes without saying that one should not have ice cream or ices, even to the children. It should not. This is not the time. Wait two days. You'll have it after Tshabe Av. For Sadat Nam Second, you should not have it. Now, in some people, have, the Ramah brings down that some people have him in hug. A lot of people do it today. And it's under, if you're doing it for the right reason, then it's recommended. If you're not doing it for the right reason, then it's not so recommended. And that is, they eat a full meal, they eat whatever type, all different types of foods together before they pray minha, and then they go pray minha, and then after they pray minha, they come back and they have the quote-unquote the official meal after minha, the, the meal of Sadat of Sekhet, with just bread and eggs. Now, the Ahrani bring down, if you're doing it because... You, the right reason means that you 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 know you want to have enough food in your system, so then that's fine, that's great. Rabotai, you have to be very careful for your health. You yes, we have an obligation to fast, but not at the risk of one's health. To fast and to be weak during the day of Tishabab is normal. You're not risking your health. We're talking about the Hasashon. You, you, because of the fast, you go into Sakana, dehydration, all these things. So make sure you eat well and you drink well before the fast begins. So therefore, if a person is doing it for the right reason because he wants to be strong for the fast, mutar. It's great. It's recommended. But if he's doing it because, you know, you want to cop a wine. It's like, you know, you want to go for the... Um, you want to go, when you go to a wedding, you want, you want to go to the buffet beforehand and have the meal afterwards. You want, you want to catch the smorg and the meal afterwards, you know, just so you can have more food. That's not a recommended reason. That's actually so suggested to avoid. Again, it can't rest, I can't restrict you from halakha because technically, according to halakha, you didn't do anything wrong. But Hashem knows the mahasamot of a person uh, don't act in such a way. Next. Accepting the fast. The third category of Erev Tisha B'Av is accepting the fast. There's no need to add on to the fast. Unlike Yom Kippur or Shabbat, where we add from the weekday to the holiday. For example, let's say Yom Kippur, the fast begins at 8 o'clock. That's Shekiah. There's a mitzvah to accept Yom Kippur a few minutes before. Some hold even up to half an hour before. Let's say 7.45 to accept the fast. That's a mitzvah. Every Shabbat that's also a mitzvah. However, on, on Tisha B'Av, there's, there's no there's no anyan. There's no anyan to accept the fast early. It's not like, you know, there's nothing, no, no such a thing. If you want to accept the fast early because you're scared that when it's already sunset, you might uh, forget yourself, but you don't have to. There's no need to add on to the fast. When does the fast begin? We already told you, 8-11 is sunset. So 8-11, you stop eating, you stop doing all the things that we're going to list. But... 
But if a person now, after eating, he decided in his mind, you know what, I don't want to eat anymore. Question is, do you have to accept it or not? So let's tell you basically three levels. Three levels and what the halakha holds. Level number one, if a person finishes Saudat he said and he sees, you know, he still has about a half an hour or 20 minutes, whatever it is, till the fast begins, and he decided, no, I don't want to eat anymore. Okay, in his mind, he decided that I don't want to eat anymore. So in that case, if later on something pops in his mind, he says, you know, I should have a cup of tea. It's good to have a cup of tea. The rabbi on the halakha hour said that it's good to have a cup of tea. It's good for the fast. Or I'm going to drink Gatorade before the fast. That's mutar. Ah, but you decided not to eat. No, we just decided not to eat, but you didn't accept upon yourself the fast. However, if a person in his mind decided, I want to accept the fast in his mind, but he didn't express it. He didn't actually say, I want to accept the fast. That leads us to a mahlukit. The Ramah says, Kabbalah is not called the Kabbalah. Just because in your mind you said, I want to accept the fast, since you didn't express it with your mouth, you have no obligation. That means, let's give an example. So let's say the fast is beginning at 8 o'clock, and you decide at 7.45, before the Shabbat becomes, you decide, you know what, I want to accept the fast. In your mind you said this. According to the Ramah, as long as you didn't say it, at 7.55 you're allowed to drink a Gatorade. However, some of the Ahronim, the Gra and the Bah hold. No, that's it. You're bound to what you said in your mind since you accepted it. You're bound. And therefore, you cannot drink your Gatorade once you decided to accept the fast. However, everybody agrees that when you do want to accept the fast and you expressed it, you said at 7.45, you told your family, that's it. I'm not eating anymore. I know the fast. I still have 15, 20 minutes for the fast. I am not eating anymore. That everybody agrees, you are obligated, you're bound by your Kabbalah, by what you accepted. So therefore, if a person doesn't want to get himself in that position, or he might, he thinks that, you know what, I might want to eat, later on, you should come by Sadat al second and say, I will not accept the fast until, Benash Mashot, those are the words of Mishnah I will not accept the fast until sunset. And this way, you avoid all problems, and in case an idea comes up to mind, or you want to eat something, then you'll be mutar to eat it until sunset comes. Then you're bound to the halakha and you're not allowed to eat it. Okay, we're up to category number two, the which is going to be the main class today, and that is the laws of Tashabi'ab. I want to quote to you the tour in Siman Tafkuf Nundalit, quoting the Gemara Masechet Ta'anit, and he says the following, Tanur Rabbanan, the sages of blessed memory have taught, Kol Hamidzvot Hanohagot Be'abel Nohagot Be'tashabi'ab. All the mitzvot, that apply to a mourner, apply in Tisha B'ab. What are they? To the, on Tisha B'ab. A mourner, although a mourner is permitted to eat, however, on Tisha B'ab, we're forbidden in Achila Ushtiyah, we're forbidden to eat and drink. Urhitsa, washing, Sikha, anointing, Na'ilata Sandal, putting on leather shoes, Vitashmisha Mita, and relations. There are three categories that we want to discuss for the laws of Tisha B'ab. Category number one, which is the subject of learning Torah. Category number two, what we call the five anuim, the list that we just meant, we quoted right now from the tour, which is what we said again, just to repeat it very quickly, eating, drinking, washing, anointing, leather shoes, and relations. And finally, category number four, uh, uh, excuse me, and finally, the third thing that we want to discuss today is the conduct that a person is supposed to have on Tisha B'Av. So let's get straight to the halachot. 
And let's talk about category number one, learning Torah. What is the halakha of learning Torah? Unlike Arif Tisha B'Av, where we said it's only one opinion. On Tisha B'Av, one is forbidden to study Torah. Which Torah, we will discuss in a second. But that's the general rule. One is not allowed to study Torah. Why? Why is it forbidden to study Torah? And the answer is two reasons. Number one, a person who studies Torah gets very involved in what he's studying. And therefore, he gets distracted from the theme of the day. The theme of the day is that we have to be mourning. We have to think of the hubban, of the destruction, all the, the, the tragedies that happen to the Jewish people during these days. So when you're busy studying Torah, you're not thinking of the tragedies of the day. The second reason that's brought down why we cannot study Torah on Tisha B'Av is because of the Pasuk. Pasuk says in Tehillim, Piku de Adonai Yesharim Lib. The commandments of God are straight. They make a person happy. One who truly studies Torah will tell you, yes, it's such a simha. It's such a happy thing. When you study Torah, you get very happy. Tisha B'Av is not a day to be happy. And therefore, for these two reasons, we are not allowed to study Torah. What does it mean you're not allowed to study Torah? What kind of Torah is forbidden? Technically, any Torah is forbidden. We'll tell you the exception in a second. That includes even your daily learnings. For example, you have a dafyomi. You cannot learn your dafyomi page on Tisha B'Av. You cannot. Tehillim, I have my daily Tehillim. You cannot read. Even just reading Tehillim is forbidden. If you have your regular daily learning, for example, you have your Mishnah a day or, or daf of Mishnah ben Ra'a day, all that must stop for the day of Tisha B'Av. Like a mourner is not allowed to learn. However, however, there are exceptions. And that is, any learning that, that is part of Tefillah. For example, those of us who wake up a little earlier, we know that we say Korbanot. In Korbanot, there's a lot of parts that come from the Hummas, there's some parts that come from the Gemara, and some Mishnayot, like the Ezehome Koran, and other things. Reading the Torah for in the Tzibur, even though it's technically learning Torah, it's Mutar. Anything that's what the Poskim define as Seder HaTefillah. Things are part of the daily prayer services that is that's permitted. Now, study of Torah, remember the two reasons. One is that it distracts you from the morning, that's why it's forbidden to study Torah. Number two is it makes you happy. Therefore, based on these two reasons, one is permitted to learn sad stuff. Because the sad stuff will not distract you from the morning, that it's talking about morning. And number two is, you're not going to be happy. Even though it's learning Torah, but you're not going to be happy. So therefore, let's give you a few examples. To learn in the books of the Sefer Yob which is really one big tragedy from almost the beginning till almost the end, that is forbidden. To learn the book of Yirmiyah, it's also parts, there, there are parts in Miyah, a lot of parts in Sefer Yirmiyah which talk about Hashem warning the Jewish people about the oncoming of the Hurban Beit HaMikdash, also Mutar. However, we're learning even Sefer Yirmiyah or Iyob, there are parts that are happy, the happy ending of Iyob, or parts where Hashem gives a nehama condolences, or console, consoles the Jewish people. Those parts must be skipped. Even though you're saying, I'm learning anyway. No, you cannot finish the happy ending. Also, to learn in Masechet Mu'ayt Katan, these are examples of what the Poskim bring down, or the Halakhot of Avelut or Tisha B'Av from the Tur Shohan all this is mutar. On a condition. What's a condition? You may not learn these subjects ba'yun. You may not learn it in depth. You gotta just scan it because when you learn in depth, we all know that when you learn to any parts of Torah in depth, it gives you certain simha, especially if you mehadesh hadushim. Other things are permuta that are brought down that one could do on the day of Tashabiha because it's a long day, it feels like a long day, you can't do much, and you know, you just need to do things. We got so used to always being busy. 
So you can learn everything that has to do with the fast, like the Midrashim or the Gemarot that have to do with the destruction of Beit HaMidash, the history books that discuss the Hurban Beit HaMidash, or the destruction of any Jewish community, let's say Holocaust stories or uh, stories, tragic sto- stories from the Inquisition. I don't know if they still have, if they have such stories. But anyway, all these are mutar to learn or to read on Tisha B'Av. What about somebody who says, could you read Sevet Tehillim? Could you read Tehillim for him? So, Hakam Abadiyah brings down, if there's somebody who really needs Tehillim, not somebody, you know, like, you know, like you're just, you know, used to saying Tehillim for your great-grandfather because, you know, he's in his 80s and you're praying for him. No, somebody who's really sick, he is in need of Tehillim. So, Hakam Abadiyah brings a Hetir. Now, all this that we said, that you cannot learn even Torah because it may distract you. So, Kavahomir, one cannot get distracted with other things. For example, you can't read the newspaper, you can't go on your phone and play games, you can't read novels and books, even though they're Jewish, quote-unquote, uh, novels. It doesn't make a difference. Again, only things that have to do with tragedies. And if it's a fiction book, even though it's a tragedy that the princess got lost, Yes, you know, it's a big tragedy. It doesn't make a difference. That's not, it's distracting from the morning. It has to be real tragedies to the Jewish people. Also, a person, for the same reason, a person cannot go on a stroll, go for a walk, you know, hanging out, relax. That's all forbidden. Smoking a lot of poskim water is forbidden for the same reason. But if a person really needs it, his air, his oxygen comes from the cigarettes. Okay, so this guy who needs it. But say about a person who's smoking for leisure, for, you know, you know, just uh, enjoy for enjoyment that is forbidden during the Tisha B'Av. Next, there are programs in shuls that people, some people want to know. There are programs in shuls where Baruch Hashem, many shuls have started to make programs where they have speakers throughout the day or videos throughout the day. Is that mutar or is it distracting me from the fast? So the answer is, though, although they don't discuss the subject of Tisha B'Av itself, but if they're discussing things that may lead to the rebuilding of Yerushalayim, if they're discussing the problems that we have for causing the Beit HaMidash to remain destroyed, then it is mutar to go to these uh, classes and to attend these classes and to listen to these classes, whether online or in person, during the days of Tashab. In fact, ever since Baruch Hashem, a, lot, a few organizations started, but now most schools have it, where they have basically awareness on Tashab Av. To, to understand what the day is about, to understand what things that we should work on as a tzibur. Today, people's hearts are open. And yes, even though it's what you call killing time or just you want to, you know, you want to use up the day, but you're using it in the right way. You're studying about important points that are needed on Tisha B'Av. Question is brought down. What does a person do if he gets an idea during the highlight of Tisha B'Av that he wants to write down? That means he has a hadush, hadush Torah. He's sitting there, he's sitting there thinking or spacing out or listening to some class, and then all of a sudden he thinks of a beautiful hadush. Now he knows himself. If I don't write down this hadush, I'm gonna forget it. But you know what? At the same time, if I write down the hadush, I'm learning Torah as a mutar or not. So if it's an idea about parts of the Torah that you're not allowed to learn on that day, so you're not allowed to write down. Unfortunately, yes, it might be forgotten, but you're not allowed to write down. For example, you're sitting there listening to one of the speeches, and all of a sudden you think of a beautiful way. To explain the Mahlokit Rashid Rabbin Utam in in the certain sugya and the Gemara has nothing to do with, with the morning. That's a surah. However, if it's something, if it's a hadush 
let's say on Masechet Getin, which talks about the the stories of the Hoban Beit Midash. You you heard the story now, a beautiful idea connected, and you say, wow, this is beautiful. Now, to write it down, so that's a mahlokit, the poskim that forbid, poskim that permit it. I saw a beautiful compromise, Pesket vote brings in the name of Sidehemet, that he says, you know what you should do? Write down a few words just for reminder. Don't write out the full Dvar Torah. Just write a few words like kind of Rashi or headings. And a little bit of an outline of the idea. So this way you come back after Tisha B'Av and you can write it completely. Okay, we move on now to the second category. The five Enuyim, the five things are forbidden on Tisha B'Av. Let's review them very quickly. Number one, eating and drinking. Number two, washing. Number three, anointing. Number three, is, number four is leather shoes. And finally, Number five, relations. Let's begin with number one, eating and drinking. We are not allowed to eat, we are not allowed to drink on Tisha B'Av. That's what we call fasting. Who must fast? Everybody who is above the age of 12 for girls and above the age of 13 for boys. However, there are those who are exempt. The following people are exempt from fasting even though they are above the age of 12 or 13. That means girls or boys. As a side point, by the way, kids are under the age of bar mitzvah or a year before their bar mitzvah. There's no need to make them fast and make them suffer. If they want to fast on their own, make sure that they don't push themselves. Kids don't know their limitations. A lot of times adults don't know their limitations. Therefore, a kid says, I want to fast. It's hot usually in Tisha B'Av and it can be very humid in certain parts of the of the world. So you have to be very on top of them. If they want to fast, in general, it's not a good idea because there's no point. When you get to the age, they'll fast. But now the Nahayab, there's no need for them, especially six, seven years old. They want to fast a few hours, fine. They tell them if they want to do something for Tisha B'Av, fine. Then don't do, uh, don't eat ices, don't eat snacks, eat just the basics, eat rice cakes, eat bread, but don't fast where Hasbashon could put the kids in Sakana and certainly do not push them to fast. Here are a list of adults, according to Halakha, that are exempt from fasting. Number one, a sick person. A sick person means one whose doctor tells him you're not allowed to fast. Number two, pregnant women who have a hard time holding a baby and therefore the doctor tells him you're not allowed to fast because it could be a danger for you or the baby should not fast. In general, when we list the exemptions over here, these two exemptions, the sick person and pregnant woman, always re- verify with the rabbi. We're saying in general. But, you know, if you don't have a rabbi and you didn't get to ask, so no, don't fast. But if you have a person to ask, please consult with them and tell them your situation and see. And always, always consult with your doctor. Somebody just texts me, Rabbi, do I have to fast? I'm six months pregnant. And uh, the answer is, what did, what did your doctor say? And she says, the doctor says it's fine, but you should check it with your rabbi. So that's it. You check with the rabbi. You you know, you, you check with the doctor first. They tell you fine, check with the rabbi. And then, you know, you make sure you do it properly. Next. After, uh, ladies, after giving birth, that means any lady, yes, only lady, any lady who's given birth, even if it's a miscarriage, she has a dean of giving birth. If it's within seven days, she should not fast. Between 7 to 30 days, a lady who is given birth between 7 to 30 days, then she does not have to fast on Tisha B'Av, but if she could, she's strong and she's able to fast, it's not going to affect her or the baby, then she should try to fast, but she doesn't have to. Anything past 30 days, if a woman is actually nursing, technically she's hayab to fast, but if it may cause some sort of harm 
to her or to the baby. Sometimes ladies are very weak after giving birth, even after 30 days. A C-section, whatever it may be, consult with your rabbi to decide if it's an obligate, if you're obligated to fast or not. Here's a question. What if a person in the list of that we mentioned above, if a person above is, who's not going to fast, is patur from fasting, he's planning to eat bread. What do you do? Because we know also you can't wash your hands. So how do you eat bread? And the answer is, if you plan to eat bread, if it's anywhere more than two ounces, then it's like any other halakha. You wash your hands all the way to your wrist, like the way you do throughout the year. We're going to explain later on that washing that's forbidden on Tishah B'Av is only washing for pleasure. But washing for the sake of a mitzvah or cleaning, as we'll see, is not forbidden. So therefore, if a person is planning to eat, has to eat on Tishah B'Av and he's eating bread, you do regular netla tadaim. If it's two ounces or more, you make a brachav on netla tadaim and you, you say hamotzi on the bread, you eat your food, whatever you need to eat. Try not to eat the extras and the, you know, the ketchup and all these other things and the ices and the ice creams. And then afterwards, you say Berchat Amazon. There's actually a mahloket between the poskim if a person should add anything Berchat Amazon. In the part where we add usually Alevi Abo or Retzev Halatzein on Yom Shabbat, according to the Ben Yishai, if a person who is not fasting is eating his meal after Zman of Minha, let's say from about 2 o'clock and onwards, he should, over there, he should stick in Nahim. You know, the Nahim, the paragraph that we add in Tiflat bin Hav, Tisha Av. You should stick it into the Brachat Amazon. However, Ahamadiyah says, don't say it. And certainly, even if you want to follow Ben Ishai, if you forgot to mention Nahim or Brachat Amazon, that you're eating on Tisha Av, you do not have to repeat the Brachat Amazon. Here's another question, a very, very common question. What if a person must take medicine on Tisha Av? He has to take pills. Let's start with pills. If a person could just swallow the pill without any liquid, swallow it, no problem. Even if it's a Tylenol, it doesn't have to be like a blood pressure medicine or, or any medicine that a person has to take for a chronic uh, uh, sickness. Even uh, something that comes up on Tishabav, you want to take a pill because you want to take Advil or Tylenol just like that without any water, it's fine. In a case where a person cannot swallow the pill by itself, he must have some liquid. So here we have... If you uh, two different ways of doing it, Achamadiyah says, okay, it's a little bit of water. You can have just that little water that you need to swallow, kind of like a, a spoon size water. The Orletzion, Macham Ben Sion says, do it in a way where you're not going to have any benefit from the liquid. How? If you know you have to take the medicine beforehand, or if you plan to take it on, you know, where you have to take the medicine with some water, take water or hot water, put in like, uh, put very little of water, like let's say an ounce or two, and put it in a tea bag and let it soak in there for a while. That water will be very bitter. There's absolutely no hana from that water. And then you need to take your pill, you take that bitter water, and you allow the pill to go down without actually enjoying or having benefit from the liquid. That's the two approaches. If, certainly if you could do like Acham do it. If you don't have the chance to do like Acham and you need to take the pill, you need to take your medicine, you take it. Now what about liquid medicines? In the case where a person has to take liquid medicine, then you take it. There's nothing to talk about. You take it. If it's something that you don't have to take, you don't take it. And certainly for kids, like we said, they're not supposed to be fasting. So of course if kids need to take their liquid talon and everything else, there's nothing to think about, you give it to them. Let's move on to the second thing that's forbidden on Tashabi Av washing. In general, all washing that's for pleasure is forbidden. It doesn't make a difference if you're using hot water or if you're using cold water or lukewarm or anything in between. You're not allowed to wash on Tisha B'Av. Here are the exceptions. Number one, when you're washing for cleanliness, 
you have dirt on yourself, you're allowed to wash. Even if soap is necessary to remove the dirt, is mutar. I'll give you an example. If you're changing the baby's diapers, yes, men can also change the diapers. If you happen to change the kid's diapers and it gets on you, or it gets on him and you're cleaning him and it gets, basically you're dirty, you're allowed to wash that part of the body. And even though you may need hot water to take it out, let's say it doesn't come out, you may need hot water, you're allowed to use hot water. Even if you need soap to take it out, you're allowed to use soap to take it out. Another head tear for washing is to remove the wahra'a. We have halakhot if you touch your shoes, or if you touch, um, if you, if you touch dirty stuff, or if you scratch yourself. All these halakhot where a person is washing for ruwahra'a, it's mutar. That's why in the morning, if a person wakes up, what does he do? He washes also, but in that case, even though it's for mitzvah, and technically you should be able to wash your full hand, but the poskim bring down, as the Ben Shai explains, the Kabbalah, the Ruach Ra'ah is so strong on the day of the Shabbat that you can't get rid of it beyond the knuckles. So there's no point of washing beyond the knuckles. You only wash up to the knuckles when you're doing Nitlat Yadayim in the morning. However, when washing for a different mitzvah, for example, by the Sfaradim, we have Brachat Kohanim in the afternoon. So the Kohanim that go up to say Brachat Kohanim, obviously before the fast is over, they're allowed to wash the hands all the way up to the wrist. However, this is only mutar for the actual Kohanim. There's a custom that the Leviim who wash the Kohanim's hands also do Nitlat Yadayim. This custom is wonderful throughout the year except for Tashabi Avin Yom Kippur. Leviim cannot wash their own hands. It's only Minhag. For the Kohanim, it's more of a Hayub. So therefore, the Kohanim could wash their hands, but not the full hand, only up to the knuckles, like we said before. Sick people that have to wash in hot water, consult your rabbi, let him tell you when it's mutar, what's mutar, and what not. And of course, we mentioned above, if a person needs to eat bread, he could do a full netila all the way up to the wrist. Question, could a person wash dishes on Tashabi Av? Answer, if dishes are needed immediately, then they can be washed. For example, if a person needs to feed the kids, doesn't have any plastic, he has some dishes that he wants to give to the kids, or they only eat with certain plates and the plates are dirty, you will have to wash it. Oh, but my hands are going to get wet. It's fine. But you should keep the following in mind. You could only use cold water, unless again, you can't get it out with cold water, you need actually hot water. And, and, Akam Betzion says, it's better if you could use gloves. But if you can't use gloves, you can't use gloves. But you should only use cold water. Also, regarding washing dishes in general, if you have dishes that you need to be washed for the meal that night, there's no problem with But as we'll learn, hopefully, towards the end of the class, that up to Hatzot, a person should concentrate fully on the fast. After Hatzot, then the person who needs could already do things that are needed for after the fast, like preparing the meal, and in this case, washing the dishes. So if a lady needs to wash the dishes for after the meal, and she could do so after the hatzot if it's not needed immediately. Third category of what's forbidden on the day of Tashabiyab is anointing. Anointing, again, is applying any oils or creams. These are only forbidden when it's for pleasure. But anything that's applied just to remove a smell, it's not for pleasure, but there's a smell, it's mutar. So therefore, deodorants are mutar to be used on Tisha Av. Is it preferable to have deodorants without any smell? Of course. 
odorless deodorants are the best. But if one doesn't have and he has any smells and he's sweating, especially in the summer, you're allowed to use the deodorant if it's a stick or a spray. But again, be careful not to, you know, abuse the halakha, abuse the heter. It's only mutat to get rid of a smell or to prevent a smell. Creams in general are forbidden, but if it's for medicine, it's mutar. So if a person needs to put bengay because it's, um, it's what's it called? He has an ache, whatever. That's mutar on Tashabi Av because it's done for medicine, medicinal purposes. Fourth category of what's asur on Tashabi Av, we mentioned are leather shoes. The general rule is any leather that's made for protecting one's shoe. Um, one's foot, excuse me, on the shoe, then it's pasul. So that means you can't wear that shoe. Any part of the leather that's on the on the shoe that's used for the protection of a person, whether it's on the top or on the bottom, doesn't make a difference. You can't wear such a shoe. What happens if a person only has leather shoes? Then you could only you can wear them only when it's necessary. For example, the poskim being done by soldiers in Eretz Israel, the Hayalet Sahal, if they need to wear the army boots, they can wear them because it's necessary. In enemy territories, you can't go barefoot and uh, all these different places. Or if a person has to travel somewhere and he, he can't go barefoot, you can wear the leather shoes just to the point where you get to. You know, let's say you need to travel from your house to the shul, and you can wear the leather shoes because you have no other shoes. And then when you get to the shul, take them off. Meikaradin. That means, strictly, halakhically speaking, children under the age of bar or bat mitzvah don't have the obligation of wearing non-leather shoes. They can wear leather shoes. However, it's better to train them that they should not wear leather shoes as you see them in Hag is that way. Even the kids in like play group or, or you know, or younger even, they come home from camp with the, with the slippers, you know, that's the Shabi'av. So it's good to train them from then on, but technically they don't have to. And certainly if a kid has a condition, he needs to wear certain shoes, even this fits leather, not a problem. There's some who have the minhag of not making the bracha of Shasali Kotsorki. Some debate it, some only just quoting it. So do as your minhag is. Here's a question If somebody remembers doing the nine days, or even on Ayavit Shabiyav that he doesn't have shoes, could they buy them? We mentioned that you're not allowed to buy any new garment during the nine days. So the answer to this question is the same answer that uh, we gave before, that if it's something that's necessary during the nine days, it is muta. So therefore, not having shoes, not having leather shoes on Tisha B'Av, and you need leather shoes, I mean, excuse me, you need non-leather shoes on Tisha B'Av, you're allowed to buy them, even out of Tisha B'Av, because it's needed. We move on now, finally, to the fifth and final category of the five Anuim that's forbidden on Tisha B'Av, and that is relations. The easiest way to simplify this halakha is conduct yourself that means husband and wife should conduct themselves like the way they are during the non-clean days. However, a person could pass things to his wife. He's not, he shouldn't touch her in the evening. In the daytime, also recommended not to, but uh, he's not allowed to touch her in the evening. But in the daytime, it's not a problem. But again, that's touching. But just passing an item is not a problem, assuming she is in her clean days. Another thing, not exactly in this category, but it's a little bit related to it, sleeping. Um, of course, separate beds, but I'm talking about even an individual, any person. When sleeping, a person is brought down, the Ramah brings down, that person should cut down on his comforts in his sleep. That means, if you could do it, sleep on the floor. What does it mean, sleep on the floor? Well, let's work with levels. If you can actually sleep on the actual floor, okay, great. 
Yes, it's not it's not comfortable. We're talking about it's not comfortable. Cut down on your comfort. Give yourself a little time. If you cannot do it, you have back issues, okay, you don't have to. But if you could take your mattress and put it on the floor, certainly you should do that also. If you even that's not possible, you normally sleep with two, three pillows, cut down, take down, take away one, sleep only on one. Some people used to sleep with a stone instead of a pillow. Whatever you can, basically, to give yourself a little bit of tsar, a little bit of pain. Because of the day, one should do so during the day of Tisha B'Av. And that leads us now to the third category of Tisha B'Av. And that is, we mentioned that there's conducts and how we should conduct ourselves on Tisha B'Av. Well, we, we're coming off the, what, was, what we just said by sleeping. A person should basically, you know, understand what the day is about. And conduct yourself accordingly. It's not a day to hang out and to relax and chill out and to enjoy. It's a day where it's not going to... You don't want a Tisha B'Av. We don't like it this way. And we do, we, were, we put ourselves in a certain um, uh, mentality that we shouldn't have... We should pray and we should fix what we need to fix in order that we should have such a day. So therefore, the following list of things may sound like, Oh my gosh, but that some of them are... Mashallah, as we'll point out. And some of them, it's a good thing to do. Number one is... We sit on the floor. We sit on the floor from the onset of the Shabi'av in the evening on, on the, when it comes in, all the way until Hatzot the next day. A person who has back issues, okay, they're exempt. If you can't sit on the floor, but you should get yourself some sort of chair that's below three tefahim, that's still considered sitting on the floor. So if you want to take small little chairs from the little kids, you know, the little kiddie chairs that they have in playgroups, those are usually below three tefahim, that's fine. If you can't sit actually on the floor. Next, She'ilat Shalom is forbidden during Tisha B'Av. That means no greetings. Mr. says, even good morning. You can't say good morning even to a person. Not just Shalom. What about people don't understand, they think you're rude, and they can say, ah, this is why we have Tisha B'Av. People like you don't say hi. And in your mind, you're probably thinking, no, we have Tisha B'Av because people like you who are my audits. We go learn halakha. The halakha says is that you do not, as you don't greet people on Tisha B'Av, but Halakha does also say, person who doesn't understand, you could tell him, you should tell him, we don't say hello during the, the what's it called? We, we don't say hello on Tisha B'Av. And of course, you don't want to make issues, you don't want to make fights either. Question, could a person go to work on Tisha B'Av? A very common question. Could a person go to work on Tisha B'Av? So the Shohan Aruch brings down that, it depends on the Minhag. If the Minhag is that people go to work, go to work. Even hags that people don't go to work, so you don't go to work. So it all depends on the menhag. Now, this is talking about melacha, but also it's brought down that even regular business, what we call today business of buying and selling, also should not be, it should, your person should cut down. Even where the menhag is to go to work, a person should cut down. That means close a little earlier. Don't try to hustle so much. Do what's, what's minimum if you have to go to work. But if you don't have to go to work, it's brought down that anybody Anybody could could volunteer to the, for this to not work on Tisha B'Av. Small melachot that don't take time, like putting on the light or driving a car, those are things that don't require to, you know, focus on them, that you could do on Tisha B'Av. Now, even in a case where it's forbidden, if a person wants the goy to do it, he could do it. He could give it to him. That means if you're in a, in a, in a, in a kehila where the custom is that people don't go to work on Tisha B'Av, you're allowed to have the goy work in your stead. That's only talking about things where it would have been mutar during the nine days. I'll give you an example. Let's say you have a store. You're part of a community that people don't work on Tisha B'Av. So you may not open your store, but you could have your manager, who is a non-Jew, open up the store on Tisha B'Av. 
he could work for you. That's mutar. Some are lenient also, like the Ramah brings down, that even those who have a custom of not doing uh, melacha on Tisha B'Av are lenient after Hatzot. Is that everybody? No, there are some opinions that way. So therefore, even if a person wants to, let's say he's part of his bin is that day, people do go to work. So he wants to be mahmir himself, he could be mahmir up to Hatzot, he could start out that way certainly, and of course if he could be mahmir more not to go to work throughout Tisha B'Av, the more the better. The other minhagim, other customs of the day, they are connected to tefillah. Now because of the different kehilot, I'm just going to point out certain things. I'm not going to tell you exactly what the different minhagim, because I know there's plenty of minhagim, so I'm just going to point them out. Number one is anenu. We add anenu in all of our tefillot, which is the prayer that's said when a person is fasting. If you're not fasting, or you're planning to break your fast, because the doctor told you you're not allowed to fast, you do not add anenu. And in case you forgot anenu, if you are fasting, you certainly do not have to repeat damidah. By minha, whether you're fasting or not fasting, we add in the tefillah the special prayer called the, that starts with nahim, that's added in the bracha of Yerush, Bonei Yerushalayim. If a person forgot nahim, again, you do not have to repeat amida. Tefillin, a lot of people have different minhagin of how they put on tefillin. Some put it in the house, some put it in the shul, some put it only in the afternoon. Follow what your minhag is. I'm just pointing it out that in case you don't know, you should look into it. And as we mentioned above. There's minhagim of tefillah also. Some have a minhag of not saying the bracha of shahsali kotsorki. Some do say it. Again, check with, check with your local orthodox rabbi. Baruch Hashem, we finished the halachot of Tisha B'Av. But there are still one more category of halachot. And that is the halachot of Asiri B'Av, the 10th of Av. Why should there be halachot on the 10th of Av? Tisha B'Av is over. And the answer is, Hazal tell us, the Rabbi Hanan says, if he was alive during the time when Hazal instituted the fast of Tisha B'Av, he would have made the fast begin, I mean, he would make the fast be on the 10th of Av. Why? Because really, Beit HaMikdash was destroyed in Tisha B'Av, but really what happened is that the Beit HaMikdash was set on fire towards the afternoon of Tisha B'Av. I mean, towards the end of the day of Tisha B'Av, the Beit HaMikdash was set on fire, but it continued to burn in the night of the 10th of Av and throughout the day of the 10th of Av. And because of that, there's a minhag that the Shohan Aruch brings down. He says, it's a minhag kasher that people should not eat meat or drink wine the entire 10th of Av. That's what Maram brings down. Shohan Aruch is posek. As many Sephardim are nohek this way, that it's a minhag kasher not to eat meat or drink wine the entire 10th of Av. Even if you don't have such a minhag, it's a good minhag to have. It's not asur because it's not even hag. It's a good minhag to have. So therefore, those who follow the Ramah, the Ramah says, up to Hatzot, our minhag is only up to Hatzot. But if you want to be mahmir for the sake of Beit Amidash, it's a good thing to do, but it's not asur because you follow the Ramah. Doesn't mean you have to eat after Hatzot and run out to the barbecue. But the minhag that the Ramah brings down is only up to Hatzot. In fact, there's some Sephardic communities I believe some kehilo from the Syrian community. Also, they don't have meat on the 10th of Ab up to Hatzot. Hatzot is about one or two. However, however, you should know also, there's some people who don't have such a minhag at all. 
Some people have a minhag that immediately with the conclusion of Tisha B'Av, right when Tisha B'Av is over, they go right away to eating meat and drinking wine and, and uh, making barbecues and uh, such things. Again, it's only minhag. You have such a custom. Do you have? If you have such a custom, then you do it. You don't have such a custom. Okay, so you don't do it. The Ashkenazim are a little bit more mahmiyah. The Mishabra brings down that besides not eating meat or drinking wine on uh, at the conclusion of Tisha B'Av until Hatzot of 10th of Av, they also do not take hot showers or bathe until the 10th of Av. They also do not do laundry or wear laundered stuff. And they also do not, for the men, they don't take haircuts or shave until Hatzot of the 10th of Av. However, also those are matir, as the Be'ur Halakha brings down over the name, I believe, of the Ma'amar Mordechai. When it's necessary, don't just jump to give yourself a heter. Call a Rav, a competent Rav, especially if it's your rabbi, and ask him about your situation, if you're Ashkenazi, and see if it's mutar. For the Sfaladim, like we said, the Minhag is only by meat and wine for the 10th of Av, and some have earlier, some have later, but that's the minhag. Each one should follow in his minhag. Baruch Hashem, we concluded the three categories of halakha. I know we went a little bit fast, we didn't explain as much, but Baruch Hashem, we, we pretty much said everything. I don't think we've ever done that in the years before. So we are very, very excited about that. Uh, I just want to conclude with the last halakha that Suhana Ruch brings down himself when he talks about the halakhot of the Shabbat. Maran says... At the end of the halachot of Tisha B'Av, he quotes a Gemara, the Gemara Masechet Gitin, that says, "Kol Abel al Yerushalayim, whoever mourns Yerushalayim, will be zocheh l'rod b'nei Hamata, will merit to see also the when Hashem when, when we get consoled when Hashem rebuilds Yerushalayim. That means when right now you're mourning, you looks like you're suffering and ah, it's all terrible." Yes, it's bad, but trust me, when the good days will come, you'll be very happy. However, a person who eats and drinks on Tisha B'Av, when it's not necessary, he will not see with the happiness of Yerushalayim. So therefore, Rabotai, this... Somebody asked me recently, what's the point of fasting and, and, and all these different customs in these days? You know, something happened so long ago. I, I can't relate to it so much. Okay, I'm going to do it, but I don't understand it. The answer is that when we fast and we mourn, when we do all these customs of mourning during these days, we're, even though it didn't happen to us, the us didn't get destroyed in our days, and yes, the Gemara says it's like it was destroyed in our days, but still, we're connecting ourselves with the generations of Jews throughout of history, throughout all of history, that have suffered due to the Hurban Beit Hamidash. As we said in the past, the destruction of Beit Hamidash may have happened in one moment of time in history, but the effects of the Hurban are still felt till today. Till today, the fact that we see sicknesses, the fact that we see tragedies and sufferings, we hear it left and right, unfortunately. We're, there's always something in the news, especially during these weeks. It's due to the fact that we don't have the protection of Hashem during these days. So, yes, it didn't happen in our days, but the effects are happening nowadays. And therefore, when we're fasting, when we're mourning, we're mourning really for what we're missing. We're mourning also because we're part of that big, large, huge Jewish nation, the one that's lasted for thousands of years, that is waiting for 
the redemption that's waiting for the rebuilding of the Beit HaMikdash, Mazat Hashem, which be Zoche, just, just like we mourn with Yerushalayim, which should see Benehamata, Bimhera Bayamin with the Biat Mashiach, and Mazat Hashem will sign off right now. We'll see you next week. We want to give a thanks to Jade Radio, Iran, Rav Nisim, and Aryeh for helping us out. This class will be aired on again tonight at 10 o'clock here on jradio.com. Till next week, have a wonderful week and Shabbat Shalom and an easy fast.